Hello, welcome to Newspeak, the New Culture Forum's weekly look at the news agenda. I am joined, as usual, by our senior fellow Rafe Hadelman Koo, historian and world commentator, and our new fixture, uh, Amy Gallagher, the campaigner and the woman behind Stand Up to Woke. Good to see you again, Amy. Um, this week we're going to be looking at something which uh, well, actually is hot off the press today as we're recording this. In the Times, a huge survey of Church of England clergy, uh, the main headline being that basically Britain is no longer a Christian country in their view as well as just the public view. That's very important. And then also with a, a programme coming up tomorrow on the channel, uh, A New Heresies, which is all about London and how basically London is a lost city. We're also going to be talking about two uh, particularly relevant issues at the moment, uh, which will affect the country as a whole eventually. Uh, and that is ULES and also the Notting Hill Carnival and the fallout from that. Um, but I want to start by talking about this survey that we've seen in the Times. This was a survey of about 1,200, or rather should we say that's how many people took part, clergy priests in the Church of England. And it was said that in fact, about 75% in total, you know, people thought that Britain was no longer a Christian country. Are you surprised, Amy? No, I'm not surprised um, at all. I mean, I would have liked a bit of follow-up questions because I, I, I'd be curious to know what these priests think uh, a Christian country, what would happen, what would need to happen for it to be a Christian country. Because in the same breath, this survey shows that a lot of these priests uh, believe that Christianity is essentially problematic and it needs to be changed and there needs to be a more progressive form of Christianity that they want a woman to be the head of the, to be the Archbishop of Canterbury. Yes, that was one of the big points, wasn't it? Yeah, yes, 80%. And yes, it's yeah. really high, yes. you know. So I guess I'd be interested in what they think Christianity even is, or what would a Christian country look like? Because it seems to me as though they're very confused and there seems to be a bit of an identity crisis in, in terms of Christianity and what it is anyway. So it's, there's a complete contradiction in this survey, I think, because on the one hand they're saying, oh, they're lamenting the fact that it's no longer a Christian country, but they're also saying that actually Christianity needs to change and there's, there's all sorts of things that need to happen. So it feels as though that a lot of the clergy are, are in a sort of crisis of, of, of not knowing what, what Christianity even is anymore. I think actually that was a, that's the crucial point, actually, mm. because they're saying we, Britain's no longer... Christian country in any recognisable form, except for historically, as they say. But uh, their way of dealing with it is to take it even further away from Christianity, isn't that right? Yeah, I mean, what about the faithful? I would have, I, what I really would have liked to have seen parallel to this is another poll of actually the congregations, because we know how far removed the two are from each other, as in, as in politics and everything else in our life. The people who run our institutions are far removed from the average person, and we know that the Church of England congregations still are the Conservative Party at prayer. They're still socially conservative. And what you saw from this survey, which was the largest survey, it should be said, of clergy done for years, although uh, you know, there were around 5,000 who were contacted in total, so we don't know actually who was more likely to reply to this survey. That should also be said. But yes, it reveals that actually a majority of, of, of the clergy appear to believe that social trends should dictate church dogma mm. rather than actually abiding by scripture and by the historic mm. teachings of the church. Mm. Now, of course, we know full well the churches that are thriving are those that do the opposite, right? The mm. Catholic church, the church, uh, the evangelical churches, and of course, 
because Islam too doesn't tend to follow social trends and it's not doing too badly. Uh, as, so, and, and one of the great concerns they had in this survey was they were worried that they were going to lose their congregations and end up being meaningless and, and extinct. Well, they're going about it precisely the right way. Mm -hmm. yeah. would, you, would you like to see a female Archbishop of Canterbury? Don't you care? Not particularly. I don't care, but not particularly, no, because I don't... I think the one thing about Christianity is that it's... Well, I'm, I mean, I'm moving more towards the Catholic Church, but what, what the appeal of you it is... You are personally. Yes, personally, oh. because what, what is appealing is that it is unchanging mm. in a world where everything's constantly changing and, mm. you know, what, what's, what's moral one day, the next week is, is mm. no longer politically correct. What, what's attractive about it is that you feel that you are part of something historical and unchanging and something that has test, you know, stood the test of time. Mm. You know, in my church, there's all the names of all the bishops going through all the hundreds of years that have served in yeah. that church. Yeah. You feel like you're part of something, you know, that has a long history. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't want to see it, you know, just responding in a knee-jerk way to the fashions of the day, because then what is the point of it? Mm. You know, I think I sent this article to a friend and they said, um, you know, if it, uh, you know, surely the UK hasn't been a Christian country for, for a long time. And I think while that's true in that we've always been quite, we've been secular for quite a long time, what we have seen in the last 10 years is the rise of new religions. So the rise, we've got a Hindu prime minister, we've got a Muslim mayor, obviously Islam is on the rise. And I think, I mean, the biggest religion is the religion of critical social justice or woke. And I think mm -hmm. people are now feeling that actually we took, we took this religion for granted. We thought it was just in the background and that would be our default religion. And now what we're actually seeing is that new religions are taking over and they're more puritanical, more authoritarian. And people are sort of feeling, oh, it's a shame we let go of this, of this thing that was actually quite on the whole quite good. But I think it's also important to say that Britain still is a Christian country, even if in the last census, for the first time ever, uh, those who identified as Christian aren't in the majority. It doesn't mean that Britain still isn't a Christian country. We still have an established church. The king still takes an oath at the coronation. We still have bishops in the House of Lords. And I think more importantly, a lot of people who don't identify as Christians are still Christian, but because they don't go to church, they, they feel, and, and they see devout people like Muslims and others around them, they don't actually feel right to call themselves Christian, but they're very much at home in a Christian church. Mm -hmm. They will watch a, a, a service at St. Paul's Cathedral for a military you know, anniversary or whatever, and it feels entirely natural to them. They will go to weddings and feel entirely at home and so forth. So there's still very, and they will go and visit cathedrals and so forth. So I think Britain still is inherently Christian, and it has been for a thousand mm -hmm. years, and hopefully will always remain so. It's just that people don't necessarily feel they can identify as Christian in the way perhaps they would have. I think the, the thing that comes up time and time again is when people <clears throat> in a very superficial way say you do not need to be Christian to know what's right from wrong and you know I grew up and I was taught what was right from wrong and they don't seem to understand that that was based on Christian ethics you know they, they sort of they sort of see it's, somehow it's been handed down in the ether mm -hmm. and it really really wasn't when was the last time actually you went to church oh last Sunday actually really what about you? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Really? Yeah. And because apparently now less than 1% of people go, I think it's gone down. Is it from 4%? I think it's gone down now to under a million people mm. easily every week to the point where this survey says that many of the clergy now think that the idea of having a weekly service is going to eventually become extinct. 
which is the, basically the death knell, isn't it? Mm. Mm. And we're going to have all these churches being turned into... Well, That's happening flats. already. I mean, I don't, I don't go to church every week, but uh, certainly if you look at the city of London, the number of historic Anglican churches which are permanently closed, apart from maybe once a week they'll be open, and that may not even be on a Sunday now. Uh, and a lot of them are being changed into other purpose buildings, yeah. be they conference centres or uh, meditation centres even we have in the city. Uh, and of course, you know, the, the priority of the, of the church right now is to sell off churches yeah. and focus attention on cathedrals and bigger, and, and bigger spaces, which of course deprives local communities of a vital service. It's an interesting thing as well that in this survey is that um, the majority of those asked uh, did not want statues of people who'd been in the slave trade, <clears throat> excuse me, taken out of church. They wanted explanatory notes, but they didn't want them actually taken out. I was quite mm -hmm. surprised at that, mm -hmm. actually. I thought that that would have a majority for that. 15% wanted to remove them, so 85% yes. didn't, which was very encouraging. Yes, it's, it's encouraging. I think that kind of shows the dilemma they're in. They're trying to straddle two different religions, mm. the Christianity and woke, essentially, and they're trying to please both of them. So that they know that they don't want to throw out their statues or their, you know, the history of the church or whatever. But also they've got to, uh, you know, reference this new this new religion that they're trying to be pastors of, which is the woke religion. Um, so they're they're torn, I think. I think what this really shows is how divided the, the church mm -hmm. is. Now we, we've known for a long while about the Anglican church in, in, in the Anglosphere versus Africa as being the great, the great schism to come. You know, we had in 1054 the great schism which saw the Catholic church and the Orthodox uh, split asunder. We've, we're waiting for the English-speaking well, Anglican Anglosphere to split from Africa, but also this survey shows how deeply divided within England the clergy are, where you now have 53% in favour of gay marriage, which means 47% aren't in favour of it. Um, how can you possibly have a situation, because at the moment people who are in favour of gay marriage are being prevented from having from marrying people, so they can't do something, priests can't do that if they want to, but if things change the other way, priests will be put in the opposite position where they'll be obliged to marry people even if it goes against their teaching mm. and you can't compel someone to do that and so how will that work are you going to split the church of england in this country so we have two churches of england will you have different bishops yeah. in the same city one more orthodox and one more liberal as you know as you, as you have with judaism it's going to be very interesting because right now it's, it's it's there's no way i can see a settlement which will please both parties and of course we ha we can't forget the congregations themselves and what they think and so it's a, it's a very messy situation. This is, uh, I'm interested to hear that you're going towards Catholicism mm -hmm. because this is something, well we've covered it on the channel before, but this is something which uh, one hears a lot about and particularly younger people as well, not, not all. And it is this sort of basically this, the appeal of utter confidence mm -hmm. in what you believe. You know, it reminds me rather of the left's argument, you know, that when the left used to lose elections in the 70s and 80s, that's because we were, we went too moderate, you know, in fact, mm -hmm. how can you expect people to vote for us if we don't stick to Marxist principles, etc. It's a sort of, it is the same argument in a way, and I, I think there is a logic to it, isn't there? I mean, Church of England was this wonderful thing. I mean, mm -hmm. I remember with my parents, they were the kind of people who went to Canterbury Cathedral and then they became, they came over all kind of 
you know, sort of spiritual while they were there. And they, they admired it and they thought it was wonderful and they thought there was something. But when it came to being churchgoers, no, there was a slight suspicion of it. But if no, we're C of E here. They all joke, you know, Jehovah's Witness terms, you know. No, no, we're all C of E here. You know, which it was a wonderful get-out cause, wasn't mm. it? Mm. Yeah, I mean, the Orthodox churches, as you say, I mean, I've, I've been to sort of Latin Mass and Catholic Masses, and they're not quite what I'm used to. And it's, it's you know, I prefer the, the Church of England kind of service. That feels more at home mm. to me. But I guess what I am concerned about is the increase in politicisation. I don't mm. want politics in the church. Mm. Obviously, people can have their own beliefs, their own political beliefs in the church. But the service itself, I, I want it to be, it should be a complete... Uh, kind of where you go to get away from that, where you mm. think of the transcendent, where you put all the you know art, political arguments into perspective and you think of something bigger, you get away from that. Mm. But it seems as though the, the Church of England, there's increasingly, you know, politics are being brought into it. And that's just, I don't want politics on either direction. I don't want, that's not what I go to church for. Yes, I think, yeah, yeah I think that's exactly right. The Church of England was, was never a fire and brimstone church. Mm. It was never strict and disciplinarian as you get with the Orthodox Church or with Catholics, and that suited the English temperament. In just the same way that the English were never rabidly patriotic, they were quietly patriotic, and this was a moderate church for a moderate country, and it served the needs of the people. If you were more traditional conservative, you could go to somewhere like St. Magnus the Martyr, which was all smells and bells, like the Catholic Church with its ceremonies, but if you wanted something more happy-clappy, you had that a bit of availability too. And the Church of England provided the service for everybody. You may never go to church, but for hatch, match, and dispatch, for your, for your birth, for your wedding, and for your funeral, they would always be there to provide that as they're bound to by law and that worked very well but it's when the politics came into it that we really saw this decline happen. But, you know when you say you know for a moderate country I, I, I yes I think that's right and also particular it was a sort of a don't frighten the horses sort of country I mean Elizabeth I famously said we should not make windows into men's souls uh, in other words go along with it if you don't mind just go along with it but think what you want to think you know and I which is a very isn't it a very English thing, that sort of way of doing it? But I mean, it's basically like, a bit like our attitude to patriotism, maybe. It's just not standing the tests of the current time. Yeah. You've got to nail your colours. Well, you were Catholic, weren't you? Weren't you born? Would you still believe, do you think? In... Well, I still attend, I still go to church and everything else, but I'm not a devout Catholic, yeah, and I, no. wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I'm, you know, I'm a you know, law-abiding yeah. Catholic any longer, but uh, certainly I'm instilled in the tradition, and it's very much part of it, it's very important to me. Mm. I suppose I'm one of those, uh, you know, cultural Christians, which mm. apparently we are like the parasites, you know, that we're, we're, we, let get, we get let off light too lightly. In the sense that, you know, basically you don't have to go along with the scripture, but you support. But I, mm. that is my attitude. I support it utterly, Christianity. Mm. I, mean, well, I think that's being lost, that the, the cultural Christians are being lost. That I think even people who were maybe largely secular, that, that Christianity would be the religion that they fall back on. And mm. certain times they mm. might, you know, they might just think of it fondly. Or I know people my age who were, went to Christian schools and they remember the hymns, you know, that, that it was something that they had an attachment to at least. Yeah. And there might be at times in their life when they were drawn to it and they mm. might move away from it and come back to it and so on. But I think even more so now the younger generation aren't being taught, you know, the the, bi the stories of the Bible, the hymns mm. at least. So they don't have that connection to it. So they don't even go there 
They don't even go to it for, for nostalgic reasons. There's no attachment there. They don't actually have hymns at assemblies anymore, do mm. they? You know, and things yeah. like the parables, I think, mm. you know, yeah. they, they're completely lost. You know, do people even know what the Good Samaritan is, yes. is all, mm. all about? And I think that's, you know, but that's part also, not just of, uh, of Christianity, that's part of our Judeo-Christian mm. heritage. It's woven into the fabric of British life. And so not to know about these things is just another sign of the fraying away of, of, of the fabric of our nation. Mm. Well, I mean, I'm afraid, you know, doom laden maybe, but, uh, you know, what, the, the thing is you could sort of, you could say, right, we're not going to talk about these subjects anymore simply because, you know, it's always doom laden, but you can't shy away from reality, can mm. you? These things are happening. It's, mm. it's hard living through a decline like mm. this, you know. Uh, speaking of which, um, we've got a, uh, we have a Heresies documentary series. I'm sure you've seen, uh, seen many of them. They're still up on our YouTube channel and very good they are too. And uh, we've got a new one coming out, uh, which I'm presenting, which is tomorrow. And it's all about London and basically what has happened to it and how it's been transformed, in my view, for the absolute worst. But it's kind of germane really to a couple of the topics we're going to talk about now. Um, I mentioned in the programme what's happening with ULIS. I mean, there's growing, growing anger about ULIS, uh, the ultra-low emission zone. But it's also an absolutely um, pertinent issue for us to talk about because it came into force this very week, didn't it? Do you live in the zone? Yeah, I live, so I live near Bromley, which is oh, part of... Oh, that's one of the th main th that ones. Is the pay yeah. <laughs> that's where the extension, that, yeah. the extension that was brought in uh, applies to. I mean, I don't personally drive, so it's not, it's not affecting me. Yeah. But I do know, I see near where I live a lot of protests. I've never seen so many protests in my area before really? about any so subject. What kind of form are they taking? Are they just... Protesting you, yeah, just sort of waving their banners and, you know, um, in Bromley as well, there's people, you know, protesting and say, you know, down with Khan and all of this. And I saw a, a Bromley councillor um, who said he's been a councillor for 20 years and he said he's, he's never seen people so angry or so mm. enraged by policy before. Mm. It's quite, I mean, I'm quite taken aback by how angry people, I mean, mm. I agree with them, I agree with the protest, but I'm, I mean, it's good to see that people are expressing that anger. Um, because, you know, I think with lockdown, we saw on coronavirus and all those those restrictions that were brought in, we, we saw an absence of, of, of people really expressing kind of dissent. Mm, mm. Whereas with you, Les, I think it, people are a lot more pushing back, which is quite interesting to see. Are you angry about it, right? Yeah, I am angry because it doesn't affect it doesn't affect me either. Because I, I live in central London and I've had you guys around for a while. And actually, living in London is a, central London is a lot more pleasant now. I have to say, the air is actually a lot cleaner. Um, driving a car is not pleasant if you're driving a car, but if you're actually walking around, London is a much more pleasant city to walk around. But central London is a very different creature to suburban London, and Ulet is a very different creature in suburban London. I mean, you've got areas but bordering on Surrey, mm. <laughs> where the air is perfectly fine, mm -hmm. which are now having to pay this. And there was a terrible story just of uh, yesterday, I saw the Royal Marsden Cancer Hospital out in uh, on the borders of Surrey. I forget now which uh, borough it's in, but it's li literally across the road is Surrey. So coming to, to take your mother or father or yourself to go to hospital for cancer, you're going to have to pay 12.50 just for crossing the road mm -hmm. and going in there. I think these sorts of things are outrageous. It's clear now that the evidence is that we ha we've seen so the 
colleague Sadiqan suppressing this story from um, uh, Imperial College, mm -hmm. showing that there'll be only be a 3% reduction in nitrous oxide and that it won't achieve anywhere near the sort of particle matter reduction that was intended. More and more you see this is about income generation because of the failure of Transport for London to generate funds post-COVID, and this is a cynical way to, to boost the coffers of the mayor's office and to do that on the backs of the poorest people in this city. Mm -hmm. People who actually live in the suburbs quite often, they have to come in, do cleaning jobs in the centre of town, they're working on shift yeah. work. For them to have to pay that, I think, is, is thoroughly outrageous. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think people have been quite surprised by how much power Sadiq Khan seems to have. People, certainly people living in Bromley on the outskirts of London that don't really consider themselves Londoners, and yet this Mayor of London is you know, um, enforcing these policies that are really affected their lives. You know, people on the outskirts, you know, older people who've had cars for a long time, and they just want to use it to travel into the mm. local shops, that's going to affect them, local businesses, all sorts of things. Um, and as you say, it, it is the poorest people that are affected by it, people that don't want to have to buy a new car, especially older people. Yeah, um, it's interesting actually you say about the power, this actually might have put the kibosh on further devolution actually, mm. you know, because mm. it's put it right head to head with the government. The other way of looking at it, the cynical way of course, is of course he's being cynical, uh, but so is the government in the, in the sense they could act, but they are, they are letting it play out yes, I wonder because if it's, it's really doing him damage. Yeah, I wonder how much of it is tactical that, that people will not want to vote Labour because yeah. of calm. Yeah. Well, um, we, saw the, we saw in one of the last by-elections, didn't we, where ULES was actually the issue that kept the Tories in power. And sure enough, it was, uh, it was a week later, or even two days later, that the Tories came out very strongly against ULES because they can see. And again, everyone's playing politics, but mm. they're playing politics with people's lives. And if you're a poor person, it's going to cost you over £60 a week, Monday to Friday, to travel into London. Mm. Now, that's a hell of an amount of money. But if you, have, if you want to get your car scrapped, it's £2,000 you'll get back, yeah. which is nowhere near enough if you're a working tradesman and you need to have your white van or whatever. Uh, I think it's an appalling situation, but of course it's also showing the tension with Keir Starmer because Keir Starmer knows this is a bad policy to enforce, and so it is showing up these divisions within the within the Labour Party. Is he? Is he? Has he actually said anything about it yet? Yes. Well, right after they lost the um, by-election, he was he basically had told uh, Sadiq Khan they came to loggerheads over the issue, and he said that he wasn't in favour of it. Oh. Mm. The thing is, what I strikes me is it's, it's being a smoker. Uh, is it, it is rather like the argument with taxes on smoking, isn't it? If smoking is so terrible for everyone, secondarily as well, why don't they expand it? Well, they don't because they get money from it. Mm. Um, isn't this the same with cars? Because this is basically about cars, isn't it? It's not anything else. Well, it's about a certain type of car, right? Yeah. If you've got the wrong type of car, you've got a diesel car or whatever. But if you're so worried, why, why don't, don't you, you just ban them all yeah. together? What I found fascinating was a tweet that Khan put out yesterday or the day before, which started off with a sentence that no one's picked up on. He said, no amount of air pollution is safe. And I thought, gosh, why has no one yeah. exposed this, right? Basically, just mm -hmm. having one puff of a cigarette yeah. means that this yeah. is no longer a safe space where risk is completely gone. You know, we must completely... Uh, cotton ball everybody who is around and, li and they must live lives of complete sanitary sanitized you know you know perfection mm. uh, this is I think is telling what, what what's next on the agenda then how far is this going to go we saw we saw in the Guardian in 2020 there was an article saying that air pollution has actually gone down 94 percent in London mm. why do we need any of this mm. stuff as I said it is very, very pleasant to walk around London now compared to when I was a child in the 80s and so forth did you see by the way that contraption this young guy who's on Twitter took on to the tube 
Um, it was fun. It's one of these shows the air uh, pollution. I was going to say, yeah. And down in London, walking about in Pimlico, uh, 1.9, something like this, as soon as he went down onto the tube, up it went to 145. Everything below, everything above 10 is harmful, apparently. But that is, that's as clear as the nose on your face. This is it? the point. It's a very selective form of safety, isn't it? That safety, mm. keeping safe is, is used in one direction and not in the other direction. I mean, I've been told that if you spend 20 minutes on the tube, it's the equivalent to smoking a cigarette. Now, you wouldn't, you, I don't see any health promotional posters or awareness about, you know, people with um, respiratory diseases or no. issues should maybe be mindful about using the tube. Maybe you want to think about it. If you could walk, perhaps you might want to walk instead of using the tube. There's no, you don't hear that expressed at all by yeah, anyone. Yeah, so yeah. Why, why is that form of uh, pollution okay and, and yet the, you know, car pollution is not okay? It's very good. It reminds me actually of something else someone just said to me, because, of course, as we know, Transport for London now bans unhealthy advertising. Mm. So we, we even saw a play which had a cake, a mm. wedding cake, and that was banned because <laughs> it shows an unhealthy cake. Yet someone pointed out to me how many cafes are serving donuts and cakes in the station concourses mm. around, and for some reason, because that gen generates money for Transport for London, yes. mm. uh, they're prioritising that. <laughs> it's, it's, um, do you think it's uh, entirely cynical on his Behalf, I mean, in the sense that I, I watched Nigel Farage talking about this on GB News yesterday, and he was down in one of the Kent border places where they're going to be affected. And um, Christopher Hope from the Telegraph was talking to him, and he seemed, Christopher Hope, to be saying, oh, Carr really does see himself as a forward-thinking uh, statesman on these kind of issues. Do you buy that? I think Khan loves going around to meet other mayors, and London is now the world's biggest ULES zone. And this gives him great mm. kudos when he goes to all of his international meetings mm. with the mayor of New York and Boston and Paris. And he's now number one dog because mm. he's done this. And uh, I just think mm. you can't underestimate that sort of thing either. Mm. He wants to be seen as, as you know, Mr. Virtue Signaling Woke Maestro. I think uh, the point you made there, both of you, about safety, you know, is, is, is fascinating, isn't it? This kind of you know, making sure no risk in anything, it's got to be obliterated. And yet, you know, in the same week, we saw the Notting Hill Carnival, which was riddled with arrest, 275 people arrested, uh, eight stabbings, one very, very serious, sexual assaults. There've been all sorts of other clips going around on social media you might well have seen of, you know, things that, what we used to call would outrage public decency at the very, very least. Um, this is, however, tolerated, isn't it? Do you think it shouldn't be? No, I don't think it should. I mean, even even last year there was a murder that still yeah. of a young of a young twenty one year old black man still gone unsolved, and you don't hear anything about it. And I think it's you know crime has increased in London. We know that mm. that it's getting worse. So that you know we need to change. We need to go with the times and think actually that the carnival that is not the same as it was ten or twenty years ago. Um, and the crimes are changing. There's people bringing machetes to yeah, this carnival, British, which yeah. we wouldn't have seen, you know, or, uh, not that long ago. This is there's new crimes emerging, new weapons, new all sorts of things, um, and it just doesn't fit with the Notting Hill. Uh, you know, that being on the roads and being in that area anymore. I don't see why, you know, people have repeatedly made the argument that it should be moved, you know, 
perfectly sensible argument that it should be moved to maybe Hyde Park, maybe it could be ticketed, or, you know, all sorts of reasonable requests around safety, which, you know, as you said, that people seem to be very concerned with safety at the moment. And yet when those reasonable uh, suggestions are made, people are shut down and told that it's mm, racist. Mm, mm. Well, why would it be racist to try to, you know, s save the lives of what mostly young black Caribbeans and bl um, black British people? Sorry, it's, yes, exactly. Mm. It's interesting, you know, when I was at City Hall, this was one of these great sacred cows. You couldn't actually say anything against, well, carnival, they would correct it. They would always call it carnival, which is correct, I guess, but it was kind of a little bit kind of uh, precious, I thought. Um, have you ever been? No, never been. But it was, um, it was Ken Livingston or Boris Johnson who tried to move it to Hyde Park. And then the fury came back. But it's quite, you know, there's no relevance any longer to having it in Notting yeah, Hill. Yeah. It was in Notting Hill at a time when you had Peter Rackman, the only landlord who would give housing to people from the West Indies. And it was a terrible slum at the time. But the, that time has gone away. And there's no connection whatsoever now between the people who go to Carnival and Notting Hill. It's high time, as you said, is also a way to, to actually have metal detectors and so forth when you're entering into this. But another thing that I wanted to comment on was a lot of do-gooders, a lot of people from on the left have been saying, oh, well, actually, if you look at the number of arrests per 100,000 people. Glastonbury had more arrests. The Reading Festival had more arrests. The reality is the police aren't arresting people at Notting Hill in the numbers they should be doing because of this toleration. We've seen so many videos of police women and police men being sexually assaulted by people and just tolerating it. We've seen ridiculous scenes of public, of public nudity and so forth which are being allowed to go ahead whereas you know they wouldn't be allowed in any other environment. And also the types of arrests that are being made at the Notting Hill Carnival are far more serious. Stabbings, bitings and so forth. No stabbings at Glastonbury. People are probably getting arrested for having a couple of ecstasy pills or something like that, as opposed to actually being a threat and a menace to other people. I think it's high time that this was, was dealt with. You can I mean, imagine if a St George's Day parade had that sort of crime levels. It wouldn't have lasted more than one year. Apparently, um, the, the police federation actually were pretty outspoken about it this time. You know, yeah, and said, in so. fact, we just... They're, all policemen dread doing it and you know police that I've spoken to in the past said you have to talk we're quite right you know you have to tolerate things that you would be arresting people for you know people smoking dope right in your face things like this uh, you know, and all of that so um, this is just going to kind of go on and on isn't it it can't be stopped yeah, and as we were discussing before, as we were discussing before the uh, before we went on air, the hypocrisy of the mate anti-misogyny campaign yeah. of Sadiq Khan. <laughs> yeah. When here we have openly, we're seeing poor police women being sexually assaulted by black men, and, and nothing being done about it. Yes, yeah, no. where is Sadiq Khan on this matter? You know, he, he seems to want to put himself as you know anti-misogynist, and yet he doesn't. He goes very quiet on Notting Hill Carnival and some of the scenes uh, oh, that come out of it. Completely, you know. I don't think, you see, the point is, although with Khan, so everyone says, how the hell can he possibly be re-elected? Mm. I mean, I know exactly how he'll be re-elected. I mean, people vote now for represent representatives as opposed to what you do or do not do, don't they? Yeah, I mean, we know full well that ethnic minorities vote 80% for the Labour Party yeah. anyway. And a lot of people who are voting don't have a clue what the actual policies are, but they mm. simply vote for someone that they feel represents them. Yes. Mm. No, well, I think it's three more years, three, another term for Khan. I think even in the, uh, there is no constitution as such, but I think he can go on and, and on. on. Yeah, know. the opposition isn't very Has strong. anyone seen the Tory candidate, by the way? Have you ever have you seen? Yes, briefly. Susan, Susan Hall. 
Susan Hall? Yeah, Susan Hall. Oh, right, you know her name. All right. That, yeah. Yeah. That's your turn. To, anyway. She was nowhere to be seen on ULES. I mean, she's, she's done a few brief interviews, but she wasn't there. You know, there's people opposing ULES and people opposing Khan who are much mm. stronger, more present than the actual position, which is just... Exactly. You know. She, uh, just one thing on Susan, she's a very nice lady, actually, because I, I didn't know. But she, she got into hot water, didn't she, for saying there's always... a crime problem, I think, with Notting Hill. She said it a few days before. Yeah. And they came down on her with a ton of bricks. What happens? You know? yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, look, um, thank you very much, Rafe. Thank you very much, Amy. Uh, tomorrow, 10 o'clock, Heresies, uh, latest one in our series. Um, and it's all about what's happened to London, really. So do, uh, do look at that, won't you? We will be back uh, next Saturday, as per usual. Oh, see you then. Thank you. Hello, if you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as £3 per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free, just remember, to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you.